Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. My name is Blake Hilgenfeld. I know that's kind of a mouthful. Yeah, Hilgenfeld. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, and so we are grateful and thankful that you're here with us this morning. And we are excited to continue our series on uh, the book of Romans. So we have uh, been in it for a while. We were in it for, I guess, last semester. We stopped and and uh, did Advent, and then we did a Vision and Mission series, but we're now back into it, and so we're in chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12, uh, and we'll be from 12 to 21. We were in it last week, but we're going to continue in it and kind of dive deeper into it, but also kind of spend a little bit, or most of our time, in verses 20 through 21. Uh, The verses will eventually be on the screen as well, but if you don't have a Bible, there's one uh, around you, and listen... Uh, if you don't have a Bible, please take one home with you after the gathering. We want you to, uh, to have the Word of God. If you know people in your lives that, that need the Bible, just take as many as you need and give them away. We'll, uh, we'll definitely buy, buy more, but those are a gift from us to you. All right, y'all ready to read? Ready to read? Yeah? There you go. Verse 12. Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world... Through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one uh, who, who, who was one sorry type of the one who was to come. Verse fifteen. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more were those who received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, uh, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace may also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful and thankful um, for this time that you've given us to gather together. And Father, we're grateful um, for having access to the Bible, your holy word. Father, we recognize that even as we sit here this morning, there are millions of people in the world today who do not have access to your word that we do this morning. And so, Father, we pray for these people. We pray that you would rise up workers from in your people to go to the harvest fields, that that you would send people within your church to the uttermost parts of the world and the darkest places in the city to introduce and proclaim the truths of the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, found in your word. So, Father, we 
pray for ourselves as we come to your word and we humbly ask the truth of the gospel, the truth that you welcome us and that you accept us as righteous and give us full rights to your kingdom, not based on our own righteousness, not based on us having it all together, but through the gift of the righteousness of your son, Jesus Christ, that we receive by being united to him by faith. So, Father, may this truth that we have eternal life with you because of the faithfulness of your Son, may it cause us to worship you this morning more. May it cause us to love you more this morning. And may this worship be the fuel, Father, that ignites a fire within our bones to go and proclaim this wonderful truth of your Son, Jesus, to all peoples of the earth, starting in this city, starting with our neighbors, starting with our coworkers, starting with our family and friends in the city, and then reach out to the ends of the earth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were here with us last week, you you know this, but if you were not here, I just kind of want to give us a little bit of overview of where we were uh, at last week and kind of give you a summary of what Paul is trying to get at and kind of the overarching theme within Romans 5, 12 through 21. And so last week we saw that God is inviting us to believe some really, really, really unbelievable news. So he's inviting us to believe that he actually uh, does not treat us as we deserve, but he actually treats us, if you're in Christ, he actually treats you as Christ deserves. And so we spent the, the first amount, uh, the first the beginning of our time really looking at some really, really bad news. And, and, and this bad news really is that uh, when God created the first human being, he created Adam, and when Adam was in the garden, Adam rebelled against our creator, God. And so what makes this so bad for us is actually when, when, at, when God made Adam, he made Adam the representative of all humanity. And so what that means for us and, and why that's such horrific news is that when you are born into this world, when I was born into this world, when every single person is born into this world, we're born with this connection to Adam. Therefore, when Adam sinned, you sinned. When Adam died, I died. And so because of this mysterious connection, the human race is under Adam. He is our representative. So therefore, Adam's sin is our sin. His guilt is our guilt. His condemnation is actually our condemnation. And the result is that we actually now have physical and spiritual death due to one person. And his name is Adam. And so as we kind of looked at last week, the greatest problem with humanity isn't our own individual sinning, though that is huge and that is a problem. Our greatest problem as the human race is our representative being Adam. And so our, our greatest need within humanity, and, and I kind of talked about last week that you're not going to read this really kind of on Twitter. You're not going to read it on Yahoo's front page, right? Like our greatest need, humanity's greatest need is to be represented by someone else. Someone who's not like you. Someone who's not like Adam. Because it just takes one, guys. It just takes one trespass. It just takes one act of rebellion. It takes one sin to condemn us all. And so if we think that actually we could have done better uh, than Adam, we're, we're pretty much fooling ourselves. And so as we sit here this morning, we do need another representative, someone who's absolutely perfect, someone who has loved and treasured God above all things, someone who's actually loved and cared for their neighbor perfectly, 
someone who's lived the exact opposite life than you and me. And we, we saw last week this wonderful and this amazing news that there is another representative and his name is Jesus Christ. And so Jesus and Jesus is alone is the only person. He is the only uh, uh, person. He is the only kind of religion, if you will, who can actually res- reverse the, the curse of Adam that we all have of being under Adam. He's the only one who can actually free us from sin and death because he is the only one whose life is righteous enough for God to actually accept. And so we celebrated this wonderful news that every single person, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter how bad you have life that you've lived, doesn't matter what nation you come from, doesn't matter the color of your skin, if you come to God by faith and you humble yourself, then God's actually going to credit Christ's obedience as your obedience. He's actually going to credit Christ's law-keeping as your law-keeping. And so the greatest news for everyone who comes by faith to Christ, we actually receive the gift of his righteousness, which leads to what? Which leads to eternal life. This is what Paul is saying throughout all of this passage. So look at verse 17, and he kind of succinctly puts it together for us. He says, if by one man's trespass, being Adam, one man's trespass, death reigned through through that one man. But much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So this is the most stunning news, guys. Like this is the most scandalous news that God can and he will accept us as righteous apart from any righteousness that we have of our own that God will welcome us into his family, that he will welcome us into his kingdom, not based on anything that we have done, but based on the perfect law-keeping, obedience, and righteousness of someone else, namely Jesus Christ. But guys, this kind of brings us to a point that we have to begin to ask this question, and that Paul knows that there are people that are gonna be asking this question. All right, Paul, let let me get this straight. If God declares us righteous before him by faith alone and Christ alone, then what's up with God's law? What's up with his commands? I mean, we know that his laws are important, right? I mean, we know that his commands are very, very important. So what role do they play in this whole thing in bringing us acceptance and justification before God? I mean, surely God's laws and his commands play some role in this, right? I mean, does our obedience come into play at all in our justification? That's exactly what Paul addresses in verses 20 through 21. And so this is where we're going to spend uh, the rest of our time this morning. And we're going to see that Paul's big idea. And so our big idea this morning is that, listen very carefully, the law cannot fix our problem. The law, God's law, his commands and living those out cannot fix our sin and death problem, but God's grace can. The law cannot defeat our greatest enemy, which is sin and death, and God's grace can, and actually it does. And so as we're going to see this morning, if you are in Christ, 
This is what reigns over you now. Not law, sin, and death, but it's the opposite. It's grace, righteousness, and life. That is what is over you. That is the theme over your life. That is the declaration over your life that you are now under the protection of God's grace, righteousness, and life. Now, we're going to do this by asking two questions or answer, asking questions and then answering it. The first is this. What is God's law? And what does it do? And then what is God's grace and what does it do? That may be four questions, but we'll just say it's two. So what is God's law? What does it do? And what is God's grace and what does it do? All right, this is huge for us. And and let me just say this really quick, that this is in regards to justification. And this is really important because as we move further along, actually next week, we're going to see how the law then begins to affect after we are actually justified. So I'm only speaking to how does the law come into play in us being declared righteous and acceptable for God? This is absolutely huge for us to see, okay? All right, let's look at verse 18. Paul says, therefore... As one trespass, so Adam's trespass, leads to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So let me just say this really quickly. Paul's not teaching universalism here, okay? I just just want to, as a little side note. As I talked about last week, if you're born into this world, you're automatically born into Adam, and therefore you have his sin, and therefore you have his condemnation, and therefore you have his death. But not everyone is born into Christ. You are born into Christ through faith, okay? So he's saying, for those, all men are those who are in Christ. I just want to clarify that real quick, because I didn't really talk about that much last week. Verse 19. For as by the one man's disobedience, again, Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. Verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace may also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what is the law? The law is this, and I'm trying to put it as simply as possible. It is God's will for how we are to live as his creation, all right? So the law was given primarily to Moses in the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus comes along in the Gospels, and he sums up God's law and saying that we are to love God above all things, and we are to love our neighbor as Ourself. So you can basically sum up the law in one word, and that is love. To love God above all things and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So the law at its core is radically, radically, radically God-centered. So therefore, as his creation, you and I should live lives that are too radically God-centered. So our our lives should be about loving God above all things and loving his creation more than we love ourselves. So just imagine with me just for a moment, let's picture this, all right? So let's imagine tomorrow morning, every single person in this world, we wake up and we passionately love God above all things. So we love him and we treasure him more than sex and money and careers, 
And I imagine us waking up in the morning, and as we woke up in the morning, uh, there is this, this praise of, uh, uh, to him on, the, on our lips that we were singing uh, uh, praises to all that he is for us and all that he has done for us. And that doesn't stop in the morning, but it continues when we get in the car and, and we are singing uh, hymns of praises to him. And we stop at the red light and we look over to our neighbor next to us and they're just belting out praise songs to the Lord. As, you drive, as you're in the grocery store and you got your little buggy, right, you're continuing to, to, uh, to, to hum uh, hymns and, of, of songs of praises to God. And as you pass someone else, they're, they're doing the very same thing. And just imagine waking up and every single person actually loved and treasured and revered the word of God. We, we meditated on it all, all day. We, we, we treasured it. We were in it. We, we just wanted to consume our thoughts and hearts with his word. And we trusted and we rested in him deeply. So less anxiety because we're resting and trusting in the father and his protection and provision. And we're actually honoring our imperfect parents. We're breathing life into people instead of tearing them down. We didn't uh, sexualize people. We were extremely generous with what we had uh, and, we, and we, we cared for uh, others more than we actually cared for ourselves and we, and we built up other people's names and reputations instead of uh, talking about ourselves and trying to get our, our, our name and reputation out there to be seen as great and glorious. But truly content with what we have. We didn't really want our neighbor's stuff because we were content with what we had. I mean, what would the world look like, guys? If we lived out God's law and commands, because what I just did is sum up the Ten Commandments. Like, like what, I mean, what, what would it look like? I mean, we would have a taste of the garden, wouldn't we? I mean, it would be heaven on earth. And who wouldn't want this, right? I mean, I mean, who would not want the law of God to rule and reign over humanity? Because if we were actually living that out, it would be a wonderful place to live, wouldn't it? I mean, humanity would be, it would be so good for humanity. Humanity would flourish under the rule and reign of God's laws and commands. So what's the problem? Well, I think that all we got to do is just kind of look at our hearts this past week, right? I mean, were we content? Or do we kind of long for our neighbor's stuff? Any lustful thoughts that come into our hearts and minds? Do we make anyone into some sort of sexual object with our, with our minds and our eyes. Maybe look at some computer screens we shouldn't have looked at. Maybe do we talk bad about anyone to tear them down to make ourselves look better? Did I ignore God this week? I mean, was I indifferent to him? Was I more consumed with myself and, and focused on myself, my own wants and my desires rather than being about his glory? Was I more focused about myself and not really caring about my, my wife Shanae's needs or, or my kids who were sick this week? Maybe it was just a bad week. You know, maybe, maybe next week's gonna be much better. I mean, if, if next week we have a day without flu in our house, I mean, I, I think that maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's that. Maybe we all just kind of had a bad week this week and, and next week's gonna be a, a, little bit, a little bit better in regards to kind of living out uh, God's laws and commands. Think so? Truth is this, guys, the law cannot make us righteous people. The law cannot make us love God above all things and love our neighbor as ourselves. But you know what God's law does do? It sets the standard. 
It tells us that we are to be righteous, that we are to be holy, that we are to be perfect. And ultimately, you know what it does? It ultimately reveals the truth about ourselves that we are not. The law of God reveals our rebellion. It it reveals how we have not measured up to God's standard. It reveals how we have loved other things more than him. It reveals that we are supposed to be perfect lovers of God, but we're not. It shows me that I am to be righteous and holy before him, but, but I, I, I failed in that. And Paul is saying, actually, this is the point of the law. It actually reveals sin. It doesn't fix it. The law cannot make us righteous and acceptable for God. It just simply reveals that we are unrighteous in need of something else, in need of a savior. It actually, it actually uh, uh, does something even more. It actually pulls the sin without of us and actually causes us to rebel even more. That's what he's saying in verse 20. Look at it. Paul says, now the law came in. The law of God was brought in to do what? To increase the trespass. Now, hang on, Paul. Just slow your roll for a second. Let, let, let me just try to get this straight. Let me try to understand what you're saying. If I hear you correctly, what you're saying is that the law of God is a a means to increase my sin? Like in other words, it serves as this mirror that shows me actually how sinful I really am, that when I look into the law of God, when I am actually presented, when when his commands, I'm confronted with commands, it actually reveals reality. It reveals that I'm actually unrighteous and I've rebelled against God. Is that what you're saying? And are you also saying that the law of God is kind of like this tweezer that reaches deep within our hearts and it pulls out darkness, it pulls out sin, and then it's exposed on the surface through our actions and behavior and it actually increases our desire to rebel against it? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what he's saying. That the law of God comes in to increase the trespass. It comes in and to reveals that we are actually broken and a perfect people. It comes and reveals the seriousness of our sin. And so when we come face to face with it, it actually increases our desire to rebel against it. It's kind of why, like why when I was about five years old, my mom's in here, she'll remember the story really, really um, well. She says, son, don't touch the stove. Her will, her command was presented to me. And so what did I do? I touched that stove. Third degree burns in my hand. Now, her command then also, like obviously revealed my rebellion against it. But what did it do? It caused me actually to to rebel against her. If she never would have said, don't touch the stove, I never would touch that stove. And so that's what the law of God does. It reveals and it actually increases our sin. And this is pretty crazy, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but this is not the way in which I really see the law of God. I mean, it can't be right. This this really can't be the, the way in which the law, the purpose of the law serves you and I. I mean, I always thought that the law actually makes me righteous. Like it's, it, it makes us more righteous people. That the law actually uh, makes us better people. And not only does it make us righteous and better people, but it's actually the way that we are to live to get good things from God and not bad things from God. I actually got pulled over a couple months ago for speeding. You know about sprouts, it goes from like 50 to five miles an hour, apparently. 
So there's this little, you know, motorcycle cop. If there's any police officers that ride motorcycles, I apologize to him. He had this Star Wars gun and just nailed me, right? Just busted me for speeding. I broke the law and he pulls behind me and I'm like, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't immediately turn on his lights, which I guess he's just kind of playing with my emotions or whatever. So two, like two blocks later, he turns on his light and I get that feeling. You know that feeling because I'm sure most of us have broken the law, right? At least speeding. So you got caught, you get this feeling, this sick to your stomach feeling, right? And then you try to do something pretty crazy. You've got like this 15 second of window to try to be as nice as possible to the police officer to reverse the curse, right? Like you try to be as nice as possible uh, and kind and good to the police officer so that you won't actually get punished, that you actually may get something good out of the police officer based on you trying to make up for the bad thing that you have done based on your goodness, right? Listen, this is how we often view God. Like we relate to him as this cosmic cop and we are the lawbreakers. And so here comes the law and we try not to live out the law. We try to be really nice and we try to be really good so that God won't be angry with us and he won't punish us for breaking his law. And so if I'm just really good and I'm a good moral person and I just try to do as best I can to obey his commands, then the cosmic cop is gonna be really good and gracious to me. But if I'm bad, he's coming after me. He's coming after me. He's gonna punish me for the things that I love. Maybe in my life, he's gonna take the things in my life that I love, he's gonna take them away or actually he's gonna make my life miserable. So I just need to be really, really nice. I need to be really, really kind. I need to be really, really good. So the cosmic cop, the cosmic police officer will be good to me and his sirens and his lights won't show up in my life. Unfortunately, guys, this is how so many people view God and his law. This is why, this is, this is a, the, the, it's, it's prevalent within the city, especially within the church, that we use God's law as a means to get good things from him and not bad things from him. And so if you just are really, really good and you're just a really, really moral person, just be good as you can possibly can be and so you won't be punished. And if you're bad, you need to try to work really, really hard to get back into God's graces. Guys, no wonder people have leaving the church. No wonder that there's so many youth who abandon their faith in church when they get into college because this way is broken. This is not true Christianity because you know what? Apart from Christ, you know what you get? You know what the law gives you? Death. And so if we uh, take the law and we actually are just trying to obey it and we're trying to get good things from God based on our obedience and based on our behavior and just trying to be really, really good, then you know what? We're not gonna get anything because what we actually deserve as a result of the law is death because of our rebellion, because of our sin. The law comes in, guys, and it increases the trespass. It comes in and reveals that we're actually unrighteous people. The law cannot fix our sin and death problem. It can't. It just increases it. But there is another way, a way that works, and it's not the way of the law. It's actually the way of God's grace. Look at verse 20. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Guys, listen to this loud and clear. 
Like write it down, tattoo it on your heart. Go ahead and make it a whole sleeve instead of a half sleeve. Like this is really, really, really important. The law gives us what we deserve, but God's grace gives us what Christ deserves. So what God's grace means is he doesn't treat us actually as we deserve, but he treats us as Christ deserves. The law comes in to increase our sin, but here comes God's grace and it abounds. Like it it super abounds, that's what Paul says. God's grace is greater and deeper and wider than the sin of mankind. And so what Paul is saying is that when the law came in, it multiplies our sin, but here comes God's grace and it's multiplied by infinity. So just imagine, I mean, our sin can fill up Lake Thunderbird. Actually, it can can fill up the Atlantic Ocean, but here comes God's grace and it's deeper and wider than all the oceans combined. Now, How does God's grace play into all of this? Listen, through Jesus, not the law, through Jesus and his obedient life, not your obedient life, not my obedient life, through Jesus' obedient life and through his bloody death on the cross, God's grace comes into your life and does what the law can never do. It fixes our sin and death problem. God's grace, not the law, comes in and it fixes our sin and death problem by giving us the righteousness and obedience and the law-keeping of Christ. So therefore, God accepts us as righteous, not on our own righteousness, but through the righteousness of Christ. Guys, that is so good. Because God does now, now does not treat us as we deserve, but he actually treats us as Christ deserves. And the result of that, we get not death, but eternal life. We get God. We get everlasting life with this great and glorious and magnificent God. What we deserve is actually separation from this God because of Adam's sin and guilt and condemnation and including our own sin and guilt and condemnation. We actually deserve to be separated from eternity from this great and glorious God. But through Christ, we get everlasting life. We get eternal life. We get God. Guys, you look at the law. And if you go down that road of trying to be as good and moral as a person you can possibly be to be acceptable by by God, you won't get it. The law cannot fix our sin and death problem. The law only declares us to be unrighteous, but here comes God's grace and it comes in and declares us to be righteous before him. It declares us to be law keepers. So you see the law now in Christ, you've kept it. There is no law now to condemn us. Why? Because we've kept the law in Jesus. And that is the most freeing news, especially if we've grown up under this theme in the church that you have to be really righteous and moral person for God to accept you. You're acceptable in Christ. He welcomes you in Christ. He loves you in Christ. And you belong to him now and forever because of the righteousness of Christ. So think about this, guys. What does this do to your heart? Like, here comes God's grace, and actually, this is what changes us. This begins to change our heart. The law doesn't change our heart. It increases our desire to rebel against it. But here comes God's grace, and what does this do for you? Would you hear that if you are in Christ, you cannot be any more righteous than you are right now? Think about that. 
You cannot be any more righteous in God's eyes than you are right now. Why? Because you have the perfect righteousness of Christ. Is that not good news? Amen? We can, we can, we can be a little vocal up in here. That's great news. That God sees you as righteous, not based on your own having it all together. He sees you as righteous because of the righteousness and faithfulness of Christ. Colossians 3 talks about us being hidden in Christ. If this is you and this is Christ and you're hidden in him, what does he see? Does he see you? What does he see? He sees Christ. He sees his obedience. He sees his righteousness. He sees his faithfulness. He doesn't see your unfaithfulness. He doesn't see your disobedience. He doesn't see your rebellion against him anymore. He sees you based on being in Christ. And that is such wonderful news. And you know what else? You are no longer under, if you're in Christ, you are no longer under sin. Sin has no power over you anymore. You're no longer under the reign of death anymore. Because God has moved you and only he can move you. He's moved you under the, under the protection of, of those wings of grace. And now you are under grace and righteousness of life and that's what's gonna reign over you for the, for the rest of your life here on earth and the rest of eternity. So let us just stop for just a moment, maybe even if you need to close your eyes, I, I don't know, and let this truth of God's grace just wash over your hearts this morning. Because listen, if you're here this morning and you know yourself to be a sinner, like when you look into God's commands and his law and you know that you stand before him guilty and that you have rebelled against him, like this isn't good news for people who think that they have it all together. This is good news for those who know that we are broken and that we have sinned against God. Listen, if that is you and you are in Christ, then God greets you and welcomes you this morning with these words. Grace to you. Grace to you. My son bore the wrath for your sin, therefore for his glory, for the sake of his praise, for the sake of his name, I forgive you of every single one of your sin. See your sin right now, if you're in Christ, see your sin at the depths of the the deepest ocean, never ever to return on the surface. Never ever to be counted against you. Why? Because they were counted against Christ on the cross. You feel this morning that, that you're a failure? That you can never measure up to God's standard? That you're, that you're trying, but you always kind of, the, the, the father's uh, look on his face towards you is always one of disappointment. You feel that? If you're in Christ, then hear these words. He, he, he comes to you and he greets you and he welcomes you, grace to you. For my, the, the sake of my son, for the sake of his praise, I accept you as you are, not as you're supposed to be, because my son has it all together for you. My son lived the life that you failed to live. And I accept you based on his perfect righteousness. What does that do for your heart? Listen, you may be here this morning and you have no desire for God. Like maybe a friend brought you in the, into this place and, and before you came in here, you really had no thought of God. You, he was pretty irrelevant to you. I'm really grateful and thankful that you're here this morning. But if that's you and, and, and you have no desire for him, basically you've lived your life just being indifferent to this God who created you for the purpose of knowing him and finding your purpose in him and finding your joy and protection and satisfaction in him, not in the things of this world. If that is you, then listen to his voice this morning which says grace to you. Grace to you. Though your sins are huge, my grace is bigger.
my grace is greater. Stop running. Stop running and come to me. Because if you don't stop running, you're eventually going to go fall off this cliff into this eternal Grand Canyon-like separation from me. Stop running and come to me. Stop, coming, stop running and, rec- and receive my welcome, receive my grace through the perfect righteousness and life and death and resurrection of my son, Jesus Christ. And you will be welcomed into my family now and forever. This is the message of Christianity. This is the message of the gospel. That all of us being in Adam, that God comes to us with this abounding grace which says, come to me. And you can be acceptable in my sight. Come to me and you can receive my love. Come to me and you get to enjoy my presence forever based on my son, Jesus Christ. And this, guys, is why Jesus is so important. This is what makes Jesus actually the most important person in the world. And this is why God's grace is such good news because, listen very carefully, God's grace is not advice of how we can actually improve ourselves or actually have rules that we have to obey to get God to be happy with us. God's grace, the gospel of God's grace, is an announcement. It's news that actually in Christ, he declares us to be righteous even though we have no righteousness of our own. You see this to be good news? Though is it kind of hard to believe? kind of hard to accept I'm with you because oftentimes I still have this view of God right like that I have to have things all together and until I have things all together he's not going to love me and he's not going to accept me therefore what I have to do I got to get my stuff together like I feel like he's he's kind of always saying man you did it again you had that tone of voice with your wife you failed to be kind to that person who always gets on your nerves and you definitely have failed to love me. I mean, you should have been reading your Bible instead of watching that episode of Walking Dead, right? You're just failure. You never do enough. And so, like, he's this father on the front porch, right? And, and he's waiting on the front porch. And he's waiting for me to come back. And he has this look on his face, this disappointed look, right? And, um, and he's kind of shaking his head and he, he's just never pleased with anything that I have done. And so what do I do? I go back under this list of rules and regulations and expectations that I feel like God is placing upon me to actually for me to get him to be happy with me and to get him to be accept, me, accept me. But listen, the truth is this. He's not this kind of father. He's not. He's actually a father who runs, right? We know the story of the prodigal son, actually the prodigal God, right? He's a, he's a father that chases after us. He doesn't wait on the front porch. When we see him, when he sees us return, he's running after us to embrace us and kiss us and put a ring on our finger and clothe us with some robes of righteousness because we are sons and daughters of the king. And he comes and he, and he loves us. Listen, he loves us with the same love that he has for his son, Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, that is his love for you. He loves you with the same love that he has for his son, Jesus. He rejoices over you with the same rejoicingness. Is that our word? Rejoicingness, I'll make it up. Rejoicingness that he rejoices over his son. He delights in you because you're in Christ. He delights in you as he delights in his son, Jesus Christ. And when you come back home, his grace is welcoming with opening arms. He's got a big smile on his face. Not a frown. He's got a smile. Why? 
because he sees us in Christ. So that means when we just come back home, we can confess our sin to the Father, and he welcomes us, and he embraces us. But listen, someone might, might, might say, well, then listen, that doesn't make any sense, because if, he already, if his grace is already going to forgive you, then why don't you go do whatever you want? You know what I'm saying? If he already sees us righteous in, in Christ, then why don't we just go and live just like the younger brother and go do whatever we want in the city, just finding uh, satisfaction and pleasure in the things of this world? I mean, if he already sees us righteous in Christ, then why don't we just go live however we want to live? But that doesn't make any sense. Because if you've tasted God's grace, then you don't want to run from him anymore. Right? I mean, if you see all that Jesus is and all that he's done to bring us into his family and to declare us righteous, then why would we want anything else? I mean, I want to love him now more not to get anything in return from him because I have everything that I need now in Christ. I don't need anything else. I have everything apart from my good days and apart from my bad days. And so not only do I want to love him more and treasure him more, but I actually want to now treat others as he has treated me. I want to show grace to others as he has shown me grace. I want to love others as he has loved me. I want to welcome others as I have been welcomed. I want to forgive others as I have been forgiven. And and I don't want any more stuff anymore because I'm content with what what I have in the Father, what I have in Jesus. I got everything in him. Why do I want other people's stuff anymore? You see where this is going? I'm actually now living out the law. I'm actually now loving God above all things. I desire him now. Why? Because of the law? No, because of grace. I actually now desire him. And I want to, I want, I want to treat others as I have been treated to him. And we're going to talk about this for basically the rest of our time in, in, in Romans. We're going to look now how the law actually come, comes into play into the Christian's life. But if we don't understand before we get to the law and how it plays out in our life, and we don't understand that we're actually declared righteous in Jesus, then what's going to happen when we go out and try to obey the law and we fail? You're going to go right back under the law. You're not going to be under grace anymore. You're going to go back under the law. So this is huge for us to understand that justification, when we are justified before God, it is God declaring us to be righteous, not necessarily being made righteous. That's sanctification. We'll get there. But you got to cling to this truth that we are declared righteous in Christ, and that is huge for us as we begin to walk out actually our obedience in the Christian life. So Christian, if you're in Christ this morning, rejoice. Because this is glorious news, that by God's grace, you have been brought out from underneath Adam's sin and condemnation. And you now have righteousness and grace reigning over you. So let this cause us actually to be worshipers of God, which is basically living out the commands of Christ. It produces us to be worshipers, which is actually one of our identities as a church. We are worshipers. We're learners, we're, we're family, and we're missionaries. But this, I want to speak into us being worshipers. This produces and makes us actually worshipers when we see the glorious gospel of God's grace. So as you wake up tomorrow morning, actually when you get in your car, so let's start before that. When you get in your car and you drive home, when you wake up in the morning, when you do your little shopping cart in the grocery store, Let us be reminded of this truth and let it cause us to sing. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. 
Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Boldly I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. And when I shall come, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before his throne. Thy righteousness of Christ alone can cover me. No righteousness avails save that which is of thee. Guys, listen, when you, when we go to be with the Father, either when he returns or he comes and takes us with him. If we are in Christ, we're going to come into his presence and we're going to be clothed in righteousness with Christ. And he's going to welcome us. He's going to embrace us. He's going to kiss us. And we get to feast in his kingdom forever with him because not our own obedience to the law, but Christ's obedience to the law. And that's the gospel, guys. It's good. That's our hope. That's what we bank on. That's our foundation as Christians. That our foundation is that we are acceptable and righteous based on Christ's obedience to us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are so just grateful and thankful for this wonderful and this glorious news that through your Son, Jesus Christ, Father, that you accept us Though we are sinners, though we are unrighteous, you actually accept us as righteous based on the righteousness of your son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, the result of that, Father, is we don't get death, but we get life with you. We don't get condemnation, we get justification. We don't get eternal separation from you, but we get everlasting life in your presence where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So this is, what I, this is what I want us to do. Just, I just want us to take just a, for a few moments. And I want us just to come before the Father and sit before Him for just a moment. And I want you to, to picture and see if you are in Christ. I want you to see how the Father sees you. What's the look on His face towards you? It's not one of disappointment. It's not one of frustration. It's one of gladness. It's one of rejoicing. There is a smile on the Father's face towards you because you are in His Son, Jesus, and He sees you as perfectly righteous in His Son, and He rejoices over you. So just sit in that for just a moment and give thanks to Him. Because the opposite is true for those who are not in Christ. It's not good. In fact, it's the opposite. So I want us to take a few moments and I just want us to be still before the Father and give Him thanks and worship Him for all that He is for us and all that He has done for us in His Son, Jesus, to bring us out from underneath Adam's sin and condemnation and bring us underneath His Son's righteousness and of life. The night that Jesus was gathering with his disciples before he went to the cross, 
he was sharing a meal with his disciples, with his friends, and he takes the bread and he says, guys, this is my body which is going to be broken for you. And then he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood that's going to be shed for the forgiveness of sin. Guys, this bread represents his life. It represents his perfect life. It represents that that he lived a life that you and I failed to live so that we could be acceptable in God's sight. This bread represents that Jesus was the perfect law keeper, that he kept the law for us. So when the Father sees us, he sees us as if we have obeyed the law perfectly. And all the times that we failed to obey his law, every time we fail to measure up to his standards, here comes the blood of Jesus and it washes it away covers it never to be found never to be counted against us ever because it's found in the deepest oceans of his grace this is what I want us to do if you're in Christ this morning I want you to continue to to be with the Father I want you to continue to celebrate all that he is for you and all that he's done for you and listen if you're in Christ and you're actually have been running from him and you've been seeking things in this world uh, that, that, that only he can fill for you then you run back to the Father you confess it and you receive his grace and mercy and his embrace and you come and you partake in the Lord's Supper and listen if you're here this morning and you're not in Christ Maybe you're looking for something else for for significance and satisfaction and security. Listen, I'm here to tell you the truth that Jesus Christ is the only hope for you. He is the only one who can represent you. If you have to stand before God in your own representation, it's not going to work. One, because you're not sufficient enough. And two, you're an Adam. You need to be in Christ. So flee to him. Run to him. And confess your need for him. And receive the work that he's accomplished to bring you from out from underneath Adam and his sin and death and bring you into his righteousness and grace and life. It's a free gift. Come to him and receive that this morning. And if that's you, I want you to come up and I want you to celebrate by taking the Lord's Supper. But I also want you to tell a friend that maybe brought you here this morning. But if that's not you and you still need some time to process and think about everything that you kind of heard this morning. Because there was a lot, honestly. Then take some time. And reflect on Jesus. Reflect on who he is. Reflect on what he has done. And I'm going to continue to pray that you would see your need for Jesus. Because even though you don't see it, you need him. But if that's you, stay where you are and just continue to reflect. But when everyone else is ready, this this is for the family. This is for those who are in Christ. Come and celebrate our Savior and King, Jesus Christ.